we join our hearts in prayer. May the words from my mouth and the meditation of each and every heart gathered here this evening be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What a wonderful day this is to rejoice and give God all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, and all the thanks for this sanctuary. Bonnie and I are thrilled. We are honored to be with you on this special moment in the history and life of Zion Lutheran Church, Winter Garden, Florida. We were planning on attending anyway. As I've been telling people, hell and high water couldn't keep us away. However, it came out as a, a blessed and humbling gift, your kind invitation to share God's word on this historic occasion. I prayed to the Holy Spirit for some time to aid me in just what I should preach. And I was led to this question, how and why did Zion come to this moment? Let's consider a few candidates. The first possible answer to how this glorious dedication came to be is the significant influx of people to the Orlando area. Just in the last five years, the Orlando metropolitan area has shown the second largest growth of the 30th largest metropolitan U.S. areas, estimated to be 2.4% and increasing. Is this growth all snowbirds and pensioners seeking warmer climes and a thriving economy and a conservative state? No, say the experts. 30% of this boom is due to migration from other U.S. states at the rate of some 1,100 new residents moving here per week. Of this, about 46% are of prime working age, while only 12% are over the age of 65. And Zion Lutheran Winter Garden certainly has experienced both kinds of this growth. A second candidate to explain this dedication is your congregational shift in strategy, a shift in focus. And it must be said that this new sanctuary is a significant part of that shift. What had been the focus, the plan, the strategy, was not being blessed by the Lord for whatever reasons. It should be noted that there were genuine, consistent, prayerful efforts to let the Lord bless this strategic thrust, but it was not to be. I must tell you that as a member during that time, when I first heard this strategy articulated, my thought was just that. The Lord is just not blessing it. The strategy focused on the school, and it caused division within the congregation as to what direction it should go. The very building itself was geared towards a school and not to a church. The school was to be the channel, you see, the door, if you will, for outsiders to become church members. It just wasn't happening. 
A third candidate as an answer to how and why this dedication came about would be the presentation and consideration of a whole different direction, a whole different strategy, a new emphasis, that of refocusing, of reorienting around the church. Major in this possibility was the need for a more, a more church-focused building. Such a shift would involve either a major remodeling of the existing facility, a sale of the existing building and land, and the development of a new church building somewhere. This idea was floating, floated among this congregation for some three years. What developed is what we're thanking God for this evening. The sale of the former building and its land and the development of this magnificent new sanctuary on existing land that the congregation already owned. To be sure, all those who assisted in the research, the planning, the funding, the construction, and furnishing of this space played a major role in bringing this very moment to fruition. So which of these candidates is the answer to the question before us. How and why did Zion come to this moment? I would answer, all of them. However, with this caveat, we know from history that God uses things like the moving of populations, the shift in strategy, and the development and implication of a total reorientation to fulfill his plan of salvation. As but one such biblical example to illustrate this, and a major one at that, consider the dispersion that happened in the New Testament time around the Mediterranean Sea. This dispersion prominently played into the Christian church's early expansion from Jerusalem into all of Judea and Samaria, and then to the very end of the earth, as Jesus spoke before his ascension in, in Acts. He said that this expansion outward to the very ends of the earth would be through his witnesses, which Luther said is nothing but God's word spoken by angels and by men, and it calls for faith. The peace over a large region at that time of the world was brought about by the Roman Empire. Its excellent road system for travel and the common language of the Koine Greek all created an ideal environment into which the Christ and his plan of salvation came with his New Testament kingdom and its amazing growth. At this point, some of you might be saying to yourself, why did we ever ask this guy to preach? <laughs> he has not centered or said much of the word of God at all. Well, here you go. And to our point here tonight, three times, three times in the book of Acts, the history and record of the expansion of the New Testament church it says that all of it was accomplished by the Word. The first of these sayings 
In Acts 6 verse 7 says this, the word of God continued to increase. And that, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, is what has taken place at Zion Lutheran Church Winter Garden. The word of God increased among you. Bonnie and I experienced it firsthand, as have most all of you. Our triune God sent his servant of the word, Pastor Rojas, to proclaim his word mightily from this place. Sure, there has been remarkable population growth here in the Orlando area, but that being said, there were and there are many other churches in the area where people could choose to go to attend. So why Zion? I would answer and tell anybody, because here the gospel was preached in its purity and the sacraments were administered according to Christ's mandate. And unfortunately, so unfortunately, this is not so among many churches in the area. This alone led Bonnie and I to drive one hour, one way, just to experience that pure gospel preached and the sacraments rightly administered. Many of you did the same. You came to grow in the blessed word of Jesus Christ. Your beloved pastor was called to this church after seminary graduation at a time in Zion's history that was transitional and in need of theological leadership. At my first installation as a pastor, the district president said to me in the congregation, a congregation either receives the pastor it deserves or the pastor it needs. Pastor Rojas is the pastor you needed and he's the pastor you need. I say this because he believes it is not his personality or gifts which brought about this day or this growth, but it is due to the Lord's working through the word. As Luther said in one of his 1522 sermons, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever afflicted such losses upon it. Pastor Rojas did the same. He slept. He drank beer. <laughs> Not that he consumed the same amount of beer that Luther did with his friends, but then again, he does have a theology on tap session every Thursday night, doesn't he? And you'll find out in a few minutes, he's also responsible for providing beer for tonight's reception. <laughs> Seriously, he knows that God himself uses his divine word to work and grow the church. That this is the manger means that God is present among us and active in history 
and specifically tonight in the history of Zion Lutheran Church in recent years. Your blessed pastor, he knows that all the power is in God's word, as Hebrews 4.12 proclaims. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He further knows that all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. First Peter 1. Wonderful, is it not? that this graces your new lector, your new lector. Even more, he fervently believes and he teaches and he confesses that in this word of God and no other place, that the gospel is the central truth that holds all scripture together. It and it alone is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 1. He further knows well that the Lord has sent him and set him aside or ordained and installed him in this place to preach Christ crucified. Even though he knows it is the scandal of particularity that many will resist. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1. He confesses and practices that this salvation comes from the gospel being preached here, and that he has been sent to do just that preaching, to speak the active word of God through which believers receive the fullness of Christ's righteousness and forgiveness of all of their sins through hearing the word of Christ and his taking away all our sins and death. And in exchange, he gives us life, salvation, and freedom of sin, freedom from death, freedom from the devil. Romans 10. Magnificent. So prominent in this place is the crucifix. For all eyes to feast upon, feast upon this lavish grace, this wonderful outpouring of forgiveness through his sacrificial wounds. For us to gaze upon and know for each of us, he loves us that much, that much. And he gave himself willingly and gladly for every one of us and everyone out there. It's suspension here above this magnificent sanctuary. And it all points to that. It speaks aesthetically to us of that sacrificial love for human sinners. It dominates the space as it dominates the world. The visual message of justification, of declaring us not guilty 
of the sin we are truly guilty of committing. And that, my friends, dominates all of God's word as Jesus spoke to those two on the road to Emmaus that very first Easter, Luke 24. The layout and the furnishing of this holy place provide visually exactly what is our belief, our confession, and our practice of this word of God. That he is doing all the saving work for which he sent it. And that it will never return to him void without accomplishing the purpose for which he sends it. Isaiah 55. This chancel area, raised up as the highest elevation in the sanctuary, elucidates this. Lectern, pulpit, altar. All divine service. God coming from above with his gifts in this very sanctuary crescendos with the service of the word and the service of the supper. True feeding of our souls. True growth of the word of God from this Zion hill perched high above March Road in Winter Garden. Where the God of heaven and earth is present with his people to send them forth into the world in peace and joy with the comfort of sins forgiven. The Greek cross on the front of this pulpit. I learned that it has four equal arms on the cross, reminding us to make sure that that gospel is sent to the very ends of the earth, north, south, east, and west, beginning here. For such blessings, we give all honor, thanks, praise, and glory to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So where does God, Zion go from this night? To answer this, listen to your published vision and values. They provide you with the answer. Our vision is a church faithful to the truth. Your word is truth. John 17, verse 17. You value three things, you say. Listen to these. One, to believe the word. You value God's word that creates faith in us in the divine service. John 20, verse 31. You value the teaching of the family. You value the duty to teach God's word in your God-given vocations at your home. Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 and 19. And thirdly, you value confession to everyone. You value confessing God's word to all people. Matthew 10, verse 32. Sounds just like what Martin Luther preached at a dedication at the Castle Church in Torgau. He said this to them that day, and I say it to you tonight. See to it that nothing else may happen in this church except that our dear Lord himself may speak to us through his holy word. 
And we respond to him through prayer and praise. In conclusion, as you dedicate this sanctuary, may you dedicate yourselves to Zion's vision and values, that the word of the Lord will continue to grow and increase among you and from you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.